0: To me, it's about the questions that we ask, right? So knowing what questions to ask, and, and I go into great detail on you know, some questions to ask, like asking sponsors, what's their track record? What would they do in this scenario? That scenario? How did things fare throughout the coronavirus situation? Or mm-hmm. you know, what happens if? And so diving into those questions and understanding who the people are behind the deals, because at the right. end of the day, this is a people business, whether you like it or not. And, and and I do by the way I love that it's a people <laughs> business and so just kind of going into those types of questions
1: your network is your net worth come listen to some of the most successful people I know share invaluable knowledge stories and advice in real estate business and beyond this is Weiss advice whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level look no further Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host on this journey today, Yona Weiss. As always, it's great to have you joining us once again. We have a wonderful guest with us, Ben Kogan. What's going on, my friend?
0: Hey, Yona. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here.
1: Well, I hope you are happy. You know, I wouldn't want you to be here in any other way. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amen.
1: Thanks for thanks for joining you guys. Uh, Got to learn a little bit about the context of Ben. He is. An all-star rock star in the commercial real estate space. He is a partner at H J H Investments. So you didn't get one of the initials yet. Not yet. <laughs> but H J H Investments—they own commercial real estate across the country. Uh, mostly commercial. Uh, commercial real estate is commercial, yeah. But mostly uh, retail and office. And we'll uh, we'll get into you know some of that, especially retail, especially in this time, this day and age. Love to hear your opinion on on what's going on with that. His main focus is in the capital raising investor relations side of things. He'd been involved with it for, you know, real estate for 15 years or so. So he got a great perspective, young guy up and coming and doing great things. And I'm just so happy you you took the time out to join us today.
0: You know, Yana, the, uh, the best thing we can do is share the wisdom that we've learned along the way. So hopefully I'll be able to share some of what I've learned along the way as well.
1: I appreciate that. So let's just, let's start out right with that. Like what's some great wisdom that you've learned along the way?
0: Yeah, so uh, I rather. learned that, <laughs> very very. I, I, I learned that it's better to copy genius than create mediocrity, and I learned that in high school. And so that set me down a path of um, surrounding myself with really great mentors. And so I've been super blessed to have really successful commercial real estate people throughout my career and in my life who have really helped me, you know, accelerate. The journey to get to where I'm at now and beyond. So that's definitely something that uh, has really impacted me in, in my career.
1: That's excellent. I, you can't overstate that because it's so, so critical to anyone's real growth is to just emulate and apprentice and surround yourself with those great people. You will gain so much more. I love that quote, like better to copy
0: genius. It's, it's better to copy genius than create and mediocrity. Create mediocrity yeah. and, and, and I'm not saying not to create things or be creative or try, you know, riskier things. But for me, I'm not the most creative person in the world. So I have found uh, people who have formulas for success that I have emulated that. Yeah. I'd we'll love to kind of share some more about that too. Yeah,
1: sure. And you know, there's an old uh, saying, an old Jewish wisdom uh from the ethics of our fathers that says something similar vein that says it's better to be uh, a tail to the lions than the head of the foxes and essentially the, the same idea is true is who you're surrounding yourself with and if you surround yourself with like the greatest people even if you are right at the bottom right don't be the smartest person in the room is essentially what that what that's saying but yeah we'd yeah, right. love to hear some of the things that you you're working on give me a little more context you guys hjh guys are buying a lot of real estate. What's the, what does it look like right now in terms of the portfolio you guys looks like every, every other week you guys are picking up another asset.
0: Yeah, sure. So we, we have a, we do research every day. We're looking at between 800 and 1500 deals every week, uh, our, our analyst team. And so that's, that's a lot of deals to look at. And we are narrowing it down to about 16 deals that fit in our box. And for us, What they all have in common is it's either a shopping center, uh, an industrial building, or an office building that typically are anchored by high credit tenants with long term leases. And we typically will make uh, offers uh, on deals somewhere between a nine and a 10 cap. So, on average, every week, we're making about 16 offers. And about one out of 16, on average, we're able to put under contract at at a below market valuation. And so with that, uh, about two out of th- every three of those deals will pass our due diligence process. And once it's gotten to that point, then I get involved. I'm on the uh, the, the capital raising side of our, of our team. And so I'll bring it out to our uh, investors, relationships, people that I know and say, hey, I, and, and I also go to the property. So I've been traveling uh, throughout COVID for, for right. better or worse. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we've bought 57 properties that we've syndicated now in the last five, six years and we're on track. We we do a deal almost not every month, but every month and a half or so. So somewhere between eight and 10 deals a year and yeah, it's been fun.
1: That's a lot. Of, yeah. It is a lot of fun. I'm sure you're learning a tremendous amount along the way as well. What do you like most about the the capital raising side of things?
0: So uh, a few things, number one, so I've been, so I've been a commercial real estate broker and I transitioned into this because I became an investor in commercial real estate syndications. And then as an investor, I built a relationship with the, with the CEO, Corey, he made me an offer. I couldn't refuse to become head of investor relations and raising capital. And so the, the, the thing that I didn't know about myself prior to this, this role that I'm in now is that I love to teach. And so I just, I've never taught before. And so now what I find Mm -hmm. myself doing is teaching people about commercial real estate, about passive income, about, you know, so on and so forth about the ins and outs about, and complexities that aren't included in commercial real estate investing. And so that's, that's really what my main job is, is to educate and teach people uh, to the best of my ability. Uh, So so that's number one. And number two, I just love that I get to bring people deals and opportunities to, to invest And so that gives people their, the ability to have their financial freedom through passive income and and all that kind of stuff that comes with that. And so, um, those are two of my favorite things about what I get to do.
1: That's incredible because, you know, I can relate to that as well. The ability to teach and just share your knowledge and really help people. And you're doing it in such a way that you're able to now show people how to create more passive income, how to create wealth. And, um, and it's, it's a great feeling right? When you do that, right? As a teacher in general, it's a great feeling when you're helping your students, you're helping anyone out. But when you know that you're actually making a a huge impact on their lives, that's uh, even more fulfilling. So that's, that's a great answer. So let's switch it. What's, what's the worst thing about capital raising?
0: So at the beginning, it was, you know, trying to persuade people to become investors. And then I, I learned through my mentors that that's the, that's the opposite mentality to have. So Mm -hmm the 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 best mentality to have when raising capital is to be indifferent. And so what I mean by that is like it I'm here to teach you and, and 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 educate you about real estate and syndication and this deal and us. Beyond that it's not up to me to decide on whether or not this is a fit for you at this point in time for you and your family. And so it's kind of pivoted like at the beginning I, it was really really tough to raise capital. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank God it's it's gotten, you know, better because of our track record and just great quality deals, but yeah. At the beginning, it was super frustrating. I uh, <laughs> kind of felt like I was bashing my head against the wall, so to speak, trying to raise capital. So, so yeah. So, you know, that's not so much an issue anymore. Thank goodness. Yeah. So, okay. and then I don't know, like, you know, things, things, you know, timing is also a, a big part of, of what we do. And so that can, that can, you know, go sideways sometimes and deals don't always go according to plan, right. Uh, just cause it's life and real estate and business. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know it's it's always tough uh to have those types of conversations I'll you know luckily it hasn't been too much but yeah we did just go through uh, a worldwide pandemic and there <laughs> were certainly uh you know road bumps along the way so, you know and so came with, it, we came have
1: to, with those challenges that's for sure
0: has its challenges and so like that's that's what we're here to do you know we're we we specialize in this and we're you know, working hard every day to protect our investors' capital. That's what's most important.
1: Right. And re- retail seeming, I mean, the strip centers, like you said, kind of what you're focusing on retail strip centers in terms of that regard with retail. But w- what do you feel about, obviously, if you're looking at a thousand deals a week or so on average, the uh, or your analyst, that is, there are certainly many that just don't pencil out, right? There's a lot of uh, troubling assets. There's a lot of things that are Uh, happening with retail that are making uh, changes in the way that people, you know, conduct their shopping experience. So is that something that has impacted the way you have, you guys have targeted deals?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, A lot of people, there's a lot of negative connotation about shopping centers these days. And I obviously Amazon has a lot to do with that. And I think that when you drive around, you know, major cities in the US or really anywhere in the world, frankly, shopping centers aren't completely boarded up and empty. They have pivoted, they have transitioned into services or medical or restaurants or, you know, things that are Amazon proof, so to speak. So when we used to say we'd go to a shopping center, we meant we were going there to go shopping. But these days, that's, you know, I kind of think that industry wide, we should change the jargon you know, not called a shopping center, maybe like a a service center or a lifestyle center, but service center kind of has like a a car connotation to it, you know, so I don't know exactly what it is. But yeah, so we we're what we look for are things that have uh, solid unit economics or like the the most fundamental piece uh, that you know, how much are they selling that widget or service for? And what's the profit margin? How many of those do they have to sell? in order to break even and so on and so forth looking down to the most mi- you know minute detail mm-hmm. and you know generally speaking there's high credit tenancy with long term leases already in place so that makes it such that the the cash flows are a lot more predictable right but again a worldwide pandemic nobody could have predicted that and so yeah so we had to to make adjustments along the way and and so for for example in that regard back in March 2020 we went preemptively to our tenants and said hey if you guys need help, we're here to help you. And so we structure our deals with robust reserve accounts. And so that gives us the flexibility to help out our tenants Mm -hmm. because nobody, nobody wins when a tenant loses, like we're, we're, we're business partners. Right. And so we ended up doing about a hundred, we, we waived about $150,000 in rents in exchange. We generally speaking, negotiated lease extensions and so we added over 100 years of lease obligations to our portfolio uh, back about a year ago, at the, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, we made lemonade out of lemons. And, and luckily, now that we're kind of pulling out of it, tenants, tenants, a lot of them are really thriving right now. It's really wow. kind of incredible.
1: That's amazing. That's, that's good news. Because you do hear, or I guess it really depends who hears what, but, you know, people, like you know, mainstream media or whatever news likes to give this kind of doomsday about retail, and obviously maybe not as obvious as people might like to think of it, but some of that may be coming from uh, Amazon and that they're trying to push some of that agenda out there. But without getting too political, let me let me switch gears a little bit here. You have a new ebook that just came out, which is called the five things to consider when investing in commercial real estate syndications.
0: Yes, it is. Yes. (laughs) It's at my website, hdhinvestments.com slash book. Uh, It's the first time I've ever tried to uh, write a book or put any content out there. And it was inspired through um, a series of your uh, 10 day challenges. As a matter of fact, so I have to thank you uh, for, (laughs) yeah we're gonna send you you get a penny every time that it sells which is free by the way so uh we'll have to work something out (laughs) but uh yeah
1: i'll get a free book without without giving you my email address how about that (laughs) i'm already on your email list so it's all good
0: (laughs) perfect (laughs) yeah so um you know i wanted to create some content and share some of the uh, lessons that i've learned along the way and uh both as an investor as well as a a syndicator and so uh we go into talking about uh goals and a way uh, to diversify because yeah you know you you probably see this a lot more than i do i mean when when i'm looking around at who's syndicating commercial real estate i mean i would guess 80 percent or more are people who are doing multifamily. would you agree with that
1: i guess it depends in the circles that you run in but multifamily syndication definitely has a much more widespread interest especially like in the world of of social media yeah but but i wouldn't say that you know commercial media commercial real estate other than multifamily is not does not come along with syndications i would say to the opposite i probably it's just not as publicly you know knowledgeable but i but yeah, I mean, it is fair to say that uh, if, you know, out there and what you're hearing about is definitely more than 80% for sure.
0: Yeah, so that, that was one of the things that inspired me. It's like, hey, I'm not really seeing much information out there about other asset classes. Mm-hmm. And turns out, you know, there's frankly a lot less competition is how I feel about it. And I, and I base that on the yields and the spread that we're able to achieve, you know, buying things in somewhere between a nine and a 10 cap with great quality, you know, tenants, long-term leases, all those, you know, fundamentals. We check the boxes versus people that are, you know, excited about buying, you know, apartment complexes in the four, five, six cap range, which just, um, you know, I'm not here to bash multifamily. I'm not. I mean, I think it's a great asset class, but there's certainly uh, a lot of other alternatives where I wanted to help kind of uh, illuminate that for people to see that there's that there is other, you know, ways to earn steady monthly passive income right and so in the ebook we we talk about that we talk about um, there's a harvard professor who i i learned from or i I studied i didn't get to meet him but um named bill solomon and he he talks about the the fundamentals of valuation and he uh he also goes into what the the rules of cash are have you ever heard of what the four rules of cash no enlighten me all right. So, uh, I I will do my best. So, and they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, duh, but they're they're fundamentals, right?" Mm-hmm. And so rule number 1, more cash is better than less cash. Okay. Okay. Easy. You, Easy. you got me. Rule on. number 2, uh less risky cash is better than risky cash.
1: Alrighty. Okay. All righty. Okay. I have to
0: explain All that a little bit, but yeah.
1: Okay, it sounds yeah, good.
0: Yeah. We can cash now is better than cash later.
1: Oh, yeah, that fundamental yeah. principle for Make, sure.
0: Sure. And rule off. number four, please nobody forget this. Never run out of cash.
1: Oh, there you go. Never run out of cash. I'll make sure to put that on my on my checklist. Also, okay. So let's. There are fundamentals. There seems simple, but it seems like there's something behind that.
0: Yes, you got it. Wise nice advice. I love it. So uh, let's talk about my favorite one, which is cash now is better than cash later. Right? Time value so, money. Time value of money, for example, you know, some people, it's in their goals where they uh, are looking for monthly passive income. That's, that's my goal. You know, being I'm 38 years old, I'm looking to build a portfolio of passive income. Some other people, they don't need the income. They're happy, you know, putting money in now, waiting three or five years or however long that deal takes. And then they'll just get a big pop on the backside. And so we take a different approach. We structure it where we are buying deals that are cash flowing on day one so that on month 1 they're going to get a distribution. They're going to get a dividend ACH to their account mm-hmm. and that is uh, once we get the rent we turn around and pay it out. And so other you know alternatively there are other asset classes you put money in and you might not see a check for a year or two or three. Mm-hmm. And so I you know we talk in more detail about why cash now is better than cash later. Gotcha. So that's okay. one example.
1: That's great. That's actually an excellent example. Uh, i love how you articulated that also because There are so many different types of investments out there. And as you mentioned, there are certain ones that you may put in some money and not see it for a while. And maybe there is, maybe that falls into a different category of maybe less risky, more risky, who knows? But the fact that you can break it down in each of those categories, I guess, just Illuminates that a little more um, to understand yeah. what what you should know, and I guess that comes back to your, how you started out saying that really this is just educational, right? Someone who wants to invest in anything should take the time to learn about what it is that they're going to invest in. Don't just you know say, oh, I see other people doing this, I'll just write a check, right? Put in some cash. You could do that, but it's probably not going to be the best case scenario.
0: To me, it's about the questions that we ask, right? So knowing what questions to ask and and i go into great detail on you know some questions to ask like asking sponsors what's their track record what would they do in this scenario that scenario how did things fare throughout the coronavirus situation or Mm -hmm. you know what happens if and so diving into those questions and understanding who the people are behind the deals because at the end of the day this is a people business whether you like it or not and 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 i do by the way i love that it's a people (laughs) business and so, just kind of going into those types of questions.
1: Now, do you have challenges? Maybe this is going to be a, a little bit of a more complex question, but in terms of commercial leases that you're dealing with tenants, you're dealing with, like you said, national credited tenants. Do you find that you, that there's a lot of red tape sometimes when you're going through those type of leases, those type of tenants, because of the corporate structures of those things and they, you know, they have their own interests in mind rather than like a model. Uh, It it is
0: more complex, you know, if you're comparing it to multifamily, absolutely. But corporate tenancy, it it could be a beautiful thing, especially with triple net leases, being able to pass the expenses, the taxes, the insurance CAM through to the tenants having a long-term lease is, 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 is a, is a beautiful thing because you can, you know, apply a cap rate, a capitalization rate to that and, and spin it off if you want to. And it's just something that is more commonly utilized in today's market. The downside to corporate. Yeah. Some, some of the bigger, uh, higher credit tenants, they, they can push, try to push landlords around. And so you have to, uh, you have to know when to use a hammer and when to use a feather. And so, you know, it's a uh, it's it's a process, and you know, it's having I don't even know how many tenants we have, but it's it's in the hundreds uh, of tenants. Um, knowing how to to communicate with them and and help them when necessary uh, is is why we you know we have you know industry uh, veterans on our team who know how to handle those issues. So awesome. uh, it really just depends. But at the end of the day, here's another uh, Weiss advice uh, nugget: a mentor of mine uh, taught me. That if if there is a conflict between the landlord and the tenant, the first place the first thing you should do is RTFL. Have you ever heard of RTFL?
1: Mm, no, but probably something similar to that.
0: RTFL, I'll just cut to the chase, means read the, <laughs> the freaking lease.
1: Lease. Okay. So yeah, I had with an M the manual at the end. So I remember that one. Okay,
0: yeah. So <laughs> read the lease. <laughs> read the lease. Because it's in English. You can read it. It usually is going to to answer the question that is being, you know, hopefully it's a good lease and, you know, we have enough experience to know what's a good lease and what's not. Hopefully uh, it's a good enough lease and the answer is right there as to what you do in that particular situation. Gotcha. And then, you know, if it's not and there needs to be some sort of negotiation, then I'll give you another wise advice nugget, which is know what your uh, opponent's BATNA is. Do you know what the, the phrase BATNA? No, go for it. Okay. Okay, so BATNA is the best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Okay. And so most people, when they're in a negotiation, they're thinking about what is my BATNA? What is, okay, if I don't get this deal done, I'm negotiating with Yona, what's what's the alternative for me, the best alternative for me if I can't get a deal done here, right? The truly the best negotiators are able to uh, determine what is the BATNA of the other person. Mm-hmm. If they don't get this deal done with me, right? So if you, the more information you could figure out about what their BATNA is, the more powerful you'll be uh, in a negotiation position.
1: That's awesome. Wow. You've dropped, you dropped quite a few Weiss advice nuggets over here today. And this is, uh, we got to go back and listen to this one again, because it's going to be a, a great one. A lot of, a lot of great stuff coming out of here, Ben, but um, well, let's, let's transition. Now this is the final stage of the Weiss advice podcast, which we like to call the
0: final four. Four questions that I ask all my guests. We could probably have a better name for it, but... Is this uh, inspired by Passover, or is this a different four questions?
1: questions. You're the second person, actually, in uh, 120-some episodes that has asked me that question. But no, it was was not, because the first person... Because
0: I'll be the wise (laughs) child if you want me to, although my siblings (laughs) think that I'm the the rebellious child, so... Uh.
1: Uh, well, I hope you're not the one that, uh, doesn't even know how to speak. So that, uh, that's at least we'll go with that. What is, are
0: aren't we all, are we all four of those? To we the next are extent?
1: all, all four of those. That is true. That's a very good point. What first question for you is what is the worst job that you ever
0: had? Yeah. The worst job I ever had was one of the first jobs. I was working in a high-end men's clothing store, basically folding clothes Back when people would actually shop mm-hmm. um, and uh, folding clothes and vacuuming and all that kind of stuff just wasn't for me.
1: wasn't for you, but you probably got some nice, uh, nice clothes out of it.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> my dad did.
1: The <laughs> <laughs> well, second question: What is a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift?
0: Yes. Yeah, so Gary Keller wrote a book called The One Thing, and when and the, and the bottom line premise is like once if you once you focus. You, you could that's the best way to become the best of whatever it is that you're focusing on. And so mm-hmm. I made a conscious decision to focus on uh, raising capital and now educating people and commercial real estate syndications, and which which is all one category in my eyes. So once I focus on that, I put my brokerage business to the side and just focus it has it's been unbelievably accelerating in my career and honestly i'm the happiest i've ever been in my work. that's awesome really great
1: yeah well, that's amazing so that's that's obviously it was a huge switch for you we've definitely heard that book before on the podcast and it is on the reading list so whenever i get a double you know hit on that i gotta move it up the list because i got an ever compiling reading list which will maybe never end uh, hopefully never end but We'll definitely add that up there, move it up on the list. So the third question for you is, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn?
0: So I'm going to go with something fun here, which is piano. I played piano as a a little kid. And I'm now, I I got my hands on a piano that um, has been in my family. It's a little upright that I have at my house. And then I downloaded this uh, app called Simply Piano that has been a really wonderful way to to self-teach piano. So I love music. It's a big part of my life. And I'm looking forward to getting better at piano.
1: Well, good for you. Sounds good. Yeah, music's awesome. Piano should be good. Yeah. There we go. So we are up to the fourth and final question, which is what does success mean to you?
0: Ooh, fun question. So the first thing that comes to mind since we're kind of talking about business is passive income. And what I mean by that is to create enough passive income for myself so that uh, not only does it cover all of my monthly normal expenses, but, but then some. I'm, I'm aiming pretty ambitiously to go beyond that. And why? Because I believe that is the key to financial freedom, which is the key to life freedom. And ultimately, that's what I want is to have the freedom to spend time with my family and friends and have the resources to you know, give tzedakah and give back and take care of people along the way. So right. that's, uh, that's my answer.
1: That's a very, very wonderful, uh, you know, ambitious goal, you know, have more passive income. That's, that's really, you know, the rich dad, poor dad, right? That's the whole, whole premise of that book is have more passive income than your uh, expenses. And one less thing to worry about, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always things to worry about no matter what. And uh, but yeah, for, from a success standpoint, I, I'm, I think about it often. And am luckily on that path and it's, it's a, it's a fun journey.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Well, Ben, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they choose to? Yes.
0: Read? Thanks so much. So sure. Uh, HJHinvestments.com slash book, sign up for the book. You can also find me on our website. I'm on all the socials. Uh, my name is spelled my last name is a little unique. It's spelled K O G U T. So it's at Ben Kogut. All the socials I, I locked down at Ben Kogut. Sorry, other at Ben Koguts. but I'm trying to you know control them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: good. Like I got all the voices yeah. out there. So it's pretty. It's good nice. when you when you control it. Control your own name.
0: That's uh, that's all we have, brother.
1: All right, well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again for taking the time and um, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. wish you tremendous continued success and uh, looking forward to seeing where this takes you in five years or 10 years or whenever that is. on the journey. Thanks for the
0: opportunity and thanks for the uh, Weiss advice and for inspiring all of us along this journey. So thanks so much.
1: Oh, pleasure. And uh, to all our listeners, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode?